You know, when I was younger, I, what I was into was collecting football cards. I used to love to collect football cards. And I had a whole treasure chest full of cards, books and books and books on them. And one day I was going through all my cards and I didn't realize I had it. And I saw, I was like, oh my goodness, I have a Dan Marino rookie card. And at that time, being a young whippersnapper that I was, all I thought about was cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So I ran to the local mall, to the card store, to find out how much can I get for this card. And I took it there, and I knew it wasn't going to be full value because it had a little dent and tear in the upper corner. But I still took it there, and I found out that Dan Marino's rookie card, even though it was imperfect, was worth $80. You better believe I cashed it in that day. I was doing cartwheels leaving that card store. I just made 80 bucks. You know, it's crazy because people say that value and worth is in the eye of the beholder. For some people, they see those football cards and they think, oh my, do you know what card that is? For other people, all they see is a picture on cardstock. Value is in the eye of the beholder. And let me just ask you a question. When you look in the mirror at yourself, what do you see? What do you see? I think we all, at different levels, we really tend to struggle when we look at ourselves in the mirror. We struggle with finding our value and our self-worth, which gets us down to the basic question of, the, of today, what makes you valuable? We live in a world that leads us to believe our value is based upon how good we look or what we achieve. And as long as we look good or we, or we achieve a lot, then we are valuable, but that's baloney. Our value is not based upon your looks or what you achieve. That's what the world is lying to us with. And so often we live in a world where we're all devaluing ourselves because of what the world is telling us where we find our valuable, where we found our value in. It all comes back to where we belong, where we belong. This is because we find our value based upon our surroundings. And like we talked about last week, your surroundings have a significant impact on how you view and value yourself. And so who do you surround yourself with? Because here's the problem. We devalue ourselves when we struggle with knowing where we belong. And so many of us are aimlessly wandering through this world trying to figure out where I belong because where I belong is ultimately where I found, find value and then we find ourselves in this world that's constantly telling us, well, if you just look better, if you have the right clothes, you have the right hairdo, the right makeup, the right sunglasses, or you achieve all this, if you're this type of a successful person, then you're valuable. Mm-mm, no. That's not true at all. That's the world just lying to us you know have you ever felt out of place have you ever just felt like i don't think i fit in i just don't know if i belong you know let's take a step back as we kind of build the framework of what we're going to be digging into today and the story that we're going to be talking about this person we're going to talk about in our story of us today you know your true belonging is not your possession, is not the way you look, it is your relationships, 
Your relationships to the people to whom you belong and who belong to you is where you ultimately find where you belong and where you find your value. There are four spheres of finding where we belong. This is taken from the book Soul Strength by Dr. Alan Algram. There he highlights four spheres that we find ourselves in our relationships. Let me just highlight those really quickly. There's the public sphere. The public sphere is kind of like you're going to the grocery store. You're, you're going to the place where you get coffee. It's your community. It's your neighborhood. It's your school. It's your place of work. It's the place where kind of everybody, you kind of see the f- familiar faces. You might not know everybody's name, but you kind of know the faces. It's where we feel relaxed, where we feel laughter where we kind of hang out. The second sphere is the social fear. The social fear is where you find more friendly gatherings. Maybe it's your small group or classes or, you know, some other place. It's not an intense gathering. It's a close gathering. You interact. You, you kind of tell jokes. You goof off with other people, but you don't really go beyond that surface level. It's the Facebook world. Then there's the personal sphere. This is when you hang out with people out for dinner. Maybe it's a cup of coffee. The conversations tend to flow. You share some facts and information about what's going on in life. Maybe some private matters, but usually you don't go too deep. And then there's the intimate sphere. This is the close connection of people. This is the most in-depth relationships where you really dig deep, where real truth is shared, where you really open up your heart and you share what's going on and you share the most vulnerable part of you. This is the least... Um, amount of people in this group. And so here we are, the table of our relationships, the table of our life, and we ask ourselves, who's at my table? We all have these different spheres in our life that we walk through, and sometimes we hang out a lot of times in the public sphere or the social sphere where it's mostly just surface level stuff, and we try to find who we are based upon those spheres. And then we struggle. Because all those fears are typically led around superficial in nature, trying to fit in. But you know, the truth be told, we're not alone. If you really open up your eyes, we are all tremendously blessed with the relationships we have in our life. You know, we all are. Sometimes we don't see it or we don't want to see it, but we are all truly blessed with the relationships we have in our, mind, or in our life. But we also need to be mindful of who is at our table because who's at our table has some of the most ultimate influences in our life. This is known as the sociology of desire. You know, here's the reality. We all gravitate towards values, attitudes, likes, dislikes, and music, whatever you name it, based upon who's in our sphere. You don't believe me? Just watch yourself. Take a step back and watch yourself. We all do it. We gravitate towards those who are around our table, and before we know it, our values is shaped by those we surround ourselves with. And that shapes how we feel we fit in. And we adapt and we assimilate our life based upon that. Our surroundings impact our sense of belonging and they adjust how we view and value ourselves. It's just kind of like this steamroll effect of our life and our relationships. You know, to take this a step further, there's a study by Harvard University. A secular study that revealed something very significant in the reality of where we belong. 
This study by Harvard is, is from the Human Flourishing Program. You can Google it and check it out. It's truly fascinating what they found. They did a study on the effects of how religion affects the health and happiness of our society. And the study revealed that children who were raised in a religious environment subsequently were better protected from depression, substance abuse, and risky behaviors. In fact, they showed something very specific in their study. They showed that those children who regularly went to church, who regularly attended religious services, were 12% less likely to suffer from depression, were 33% less likely to use drugs, were 18% more likely to report high levels of happiness, and 87% more likely to have high levels of forgiveness in their life. You know what this means? Go to church. Make church a significant part of your life. It matters. Make your children's life, their raising up years, a significant part of them being here on Sunday morning, being a part of Impact Kids, being a part of Impact Students. Why? Because their surroundings matter. It matters. And the less we have our families in church, the more we find ourselves so confused on where do we belong. And we struggle with the big three. The study at Harvard also went a step further. The study revealed that those who pray or meditate regularly are 30% less likely to start having sex at a young age, are 40% less likely to have an STD, are 38% more likely to surrender, or I'm sorry, to volunteer in their community, and are 40% more likely, listen to this, to have a sense of mission and purpose in their life. You know what this means? Families, it is so important on a regular basis to have your daily encounter times. If you are not, as a family, regularly just getting together, praying together, and reading the Bible together, you're missing it. What does this tell you? Go to church. Make daily encounter time a part of your family's regular activities. Why? Because who we surround ourselves, what we surround ourselves, makes a big difference in finding out where we belong and how we view ourselves and value ourselves. Our value is not based upon what the world tells us. Our value is based upon the creator who designed us. We need to find it in him. And when we devalue ourselves, it impacts how we view ourselves, how we define ourselves, and how we think. You know, one of the most important, one of the most interesting people that's highlighted in Hebrews chapter 11 that we've been talking about through this Faith Hall of Fame is this woman. This woman who probably reading it, we think, I don't get it. She's like the most least likely person that I would think worldly view to be in this list of people. We don't really know much about her. But here she is in what's known as the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And her name is Rahab. And there's Rahab. We don't know much about her. And she's a woman who struggled with finding where she belonged. She was a woman who struggled with finding her true value because her whole life up to this point was finding her value based upon what the world told her she was, not who, the child, who, the God, who God told her she was. 
And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, here's what we hear about Rahab. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. That's it. But those words and what we read about her in Joshua chapter 2 speak volumes to me. See, this is what we know about Rahab. We know three basic facts about Rahab. Fact number one, she's a woman from Jericho. Jericho is a city that was a place full of competing gods, competing voices, competing opinions, a cultural clash of worldviews, and a land that was going opposite the heart of God. And they're telling the people, if you want to be happy, you have to live this way. And Rahab was starting to realize, as you read Joshua 2, it's not working out. What the world, my world, is telling me to do to be happy, it's not working. It's not working. The second thing we know about Rahab, she was a prostitute. Her role, her place in life was completely devalued. In fact, her value was based on how other people took advantage of her. Do you ever feel like that? I'm not saying you're a prostitute. But I think in many ways we live in a world that's constantly taking advantage of us. And we try to constantly try to find our value based upon how the world's taking advantage of us. Does that make sense? We're all in that same boat. We're all in that same struggle. The third thing we learn about Rahab is she lived on the city wall. This is huge. You know why? She lived across the tracks. The most least place a person could live was on the city walls. Why? Because that was the most unprotected. The higher class, the important people of society lived in the center of the city, higher up on the hill. Why? Because they were most protected. Those who lived on the walls were the ones who were most open up to to enemies' attacks. And there she was. What we see there is she was a woman that was completely devalued by her own place of dwelling, by where she lived. She was just there. She just existed. And we see her, as we read her story in Joshua 2, we see a woman who was unfulfilled in her heart, thinking, is this it? Is this what my life is? Is this everything that I have? I mean, the world's telling me I have to do this, be this, do this, be this, if I want to find value where I belong, but it's just not adding up. They're not providing. They're not coming through the way that they said they would come through, and I just feel unfulfilled. There has to be something more. That's what I see as I read her story. And then the spies showed up. If you want to read her full story that's found in Joshua 2, I encourage you to do that sometime later today or this week. But the spies from Israel showed up. See, this is huge because at this point in in history, Israel was advancing through to their promised land. And all the other nations were hearing about this, this nation. See, all the other nations were saying, boy, our gods, they keep telling us, they give us all these promises, but they're not coming through. But Israel's God? He keeps coming through. I mean, did you hear about that battle? I mean, they didn't have any weapons and all the armies just fell down. How is this happening? And all the nations, the word was spreading, the word was spreading, and all of a sudden the spies showed up and all the people of Jericho were realizing, oh no, 
we're next. And the spy showed up in Rahab's house. And there she was, Rahab and these spies. She's like, I know the stories about you guys. I heard about your God. There's something there. Joshua 2, verses 11 through 13, as we lead up, here's what we see the interaction between her and the spies. When we heard of it, she told the spies of all that they have done, of all the way God was working through of it, our hearts melted in fear. They were afraid that they were next. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Do you see that? She's starting to realize you're God. There's something about the God you serve. That's different than any other God that this world provides. And she says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Just like Noah, who we spoke about before, Rahab was taking her opportunity to save her family from the realities of this world to chase the God who had so much more. Rahab realized the gods of her culture were not working out. They weren't coming through and she was pondering, maybe this isn't where I belong. I mean, I live here, but maybe this isn't my home. Maybe Jericho's not my home. And she saw how the God of the Israelites came through. If we go to Genesis 22, we see there how God came through so many times for the people of Israel. And they gave him the name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And from that point on, the world constantly saw, despite all the promises the world threw at them and all the ways the, the world was unfulfilling those promises, the God, the Lord who provides, always came through. Always came through. And in this moment, Rahab realized, I may be from Jericho, but this isn't my home. It's not my home. And I think that's our struggle. I think that's our struggle. With all the spheres of relationships we have, we try so hard to fit into this world, and we made ourselves believe that this world is our home. It's not. This world is not our home. It's not. There's a God who is something bigger for you. I think we wrestle with so much internal trauma, all of us. We all have emotional baggage in some way. We all struggle with anxiety and heartache and depression and difficulties. We all have our emotional baggage, every one of us, myself included. And we struggle with that because we try to fulfill that or fix that by trying to fit in more with the world. And what the world tells us where we should find our value and our worth. But it's just not there. This world was never made to be our home. There's a God who loves you, who cherishes you, who values you. It's where we belong. 
The apostle Paul put it this way in in Philippians 3.20. Paul wrote this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, what Paul was saying, what we see highlighted from Genesis all through Revelation is this. Our citizenship is the place where we belong, where we identify ourselves in, and ultimately where we find value. Rahab realized her value was not what her culture was telling her. Her value was not what the world was saying. It's not based upon your looks. It's not based upon what you achieve. It's not anything or any of the lies that the world is trying to feed us. Our value is found through the God who loves us you who died for you Rahab when the moment when the spies were sitting in her living room began to realize that there's something more I'm just this woman living on the outer walls my value has always been based upon how the world has taken advantage of me and here I am broken and these men showed up And I saw right through these men to a God who loves me despite who the world says I am. And there is where I belong. I may be from Jericho, but it's not my home. You may be from this world, but it's not your home. Jehovah Jireh, the God of the Israelites, the God whom I serve and I walk with, And who you walk with as well always comes through. He never fails. He never fails. And it was in this moment when when Rahab realized where she belonged. And where she fit in. Please understand this, my friends. Our value is found when we realize where we belong. When we realize where we belong. Are you wondering? Are you just kind of wandering through this world? Trying to figure out what's next? Are you like Rahab wrestling with that question? Is this really it? Is this life? Is this what it's supposed to be all about? I thought there was more to this. This is not what I expected it to be. And I'm just constantly left broken. Are you constantly finding yourself trying to fit in, trying to find your worth based upon your appearance, based upon your achievements? Because that's not where value is found. Your value is not based upon what you do or what you accomplish. Your value is found with who you are with. There's a God who loves you. See, know this, my friends. Someone needs to hear this today. You are valuable. You are loved. You were created for something bigger than this world. And I don't care what the people in your life have told you. I don't care what the world feeds down our throat. I don't care what Netflix or Disney or Amazon Prime or any of those things try to feed us. You are valuable because you were created by the God who loves you. We don't belong here. This isn't our home. And even beyond this, look what's written in Psalm 139 about you. You were created in my inmost being, God said. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
Can I tell you something? You were not made by accident. You weren't placed in this world by accident. And you were not forgotten in this world. Rahab could have easily been living on the outer walls, being devalued by all the world was feeding her, thinking, I am forgotten, I'm lonely, I don't matter. And too many of us are surrounded by a whole sphere of people, and we struggle with that same thing. We feel like we don't matter, we don't fit in, we don't belong. Why do we even exist? Can I tell you something? You matter, you are valuable, because a God who loves you created you specifically. Know that. Don't believe the lies of the world. You matter. You belong in Christ, and your value is found in him. Why? Because he has plans for you. He had plans for Rahab. She thought she didn't fit in anywhere, but he had plans for her. Of all the people in Jericho, God chose her. And this world values us so much based upon other things. Rahab lived on the other wall, other, out, outer wall. She was devalued in her hometown. And God looks right through that and he sees your heart. He sees you as a child. I think about Mother's Day today. Mothers are an awesome thing. You know, because you go to soccer games or band camps or things like that. And, you know, it's amazing because you talk to all the moms on those sidelines. And there are about 100 kids who are the most elite athletes or most amazing musicians ever. Why? Because to mom, she doesn't care if you hit every note perfectly. She doesn't care if you make a 1,000 goals or not. What she cares about? Is her child. And that child's value is not based upon their success. Your value is not based upon your success or failures or looks or anything else. God the Father looks through all that junk. He sees, I created you. I don't care if you make a thousand goals or miss every one. I don't care if you become the next greatest CEO or you're flipping burgers. I love you because you're my child. He said that about Rahab. He said that about you. You. You are valued. You are loved. Why? Because you are a child of God. You're his child. And here's the beauty in all this. You don't have to try to be something else. Connect with God, the one who loves you. For Rahab, she moved beyond that. She helped us protect the spies. She knew the dangers. She helped protect the spies. She kept them hidden in her house. She led the, the, the officials of Jericho away. She, she made up a story about where they may be. And then she snuck them off in the middle of the night and let them go. And she helped them with the promise that you will protect my family. And we will now be with you. Because your God is where we belong. 
We may think that we're insignificant and we don't matter, but don't listen to those lies. You may, you may think that you're not valuable. Don't listen to that junk. You are valuable. And remember this, God is the one who writes your story. He is the one who is writing your story. I think so often where I find I make my mistakes is I think I need to find my value, my worth based upon how the world defines it. And I work so hard trying to build success to be what the world says you need to do, to be successful, to be elite, to be great. And guess what? I'm always left broken and disappointed. But when I just step back and realize, Bill, you're not writing your story. God is. When I just take a step back and just be in his presence, watch what he begins to do. Psalm 37, it says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart when you delight in him. In other words, is this. When you connect your heart with his heart, there you find the delight. Why? Because so often we get so confused on what our heart desires based upon what the world, what surrounds us, tells us. And it just leaves us emptiness and brokenness. That's where Rahab was. She was realizing, wait a minute, I thought if I followed the gods this way, did what you told me to do, then I'd be happy. And it's just not cutting it. And I think we're in the same boat. But we continue to run the rat race of life trying to fit in when all reality is you're never going to be happy. But the Bible says when you connect your heart to his heart, there you find the delight that you are looking for. The joy that you are seeking. Because it's in him. It's in his presence. Rahab found her value and her worth in Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And then from there, she, just because of this, just because of this, she was highlighted in, the, in, the, in Hebrews, in the Hall of Faith Hall of Fame. And she was also found in Matthew chapter 1 in the lineage, lineage of the Messiah himself. See, It doesn't matter what position you hold in life. It matters whose presence you are in. And let God write your story and you'll see something significant. Rahab found where she belonged. And this led her to doing what she was asked to do. She helped the spies. She helped them advance to the promised land. And from her obedience in the plan, she found the rewards that they had offered. You see, our value is found in the God who loves us, who cherishes us, who died for us. And then our rewards are found through obedience. That's what we see in her story. Our value is found in God. Our rewards are seen through obedience. And even the smallest deeds of obedience has significant value. Don't ever let anybody tell you, don't ever believe that your role is not as important as somebody else's role. Rahab was right there with all the people who we say are the biblical greats. And she's right there with them. Why? Because she decided to put her presence in God's presence. And there she found her value, her worth, and God opened amazing doors. 
See, the Bible says that faith without deeds is useless. It leads us to something bigger. James writes about this in James 2. Let's read this. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Don't intertwine them. Your value is based upon God, but your faith and what you do leads you to rewards that he wants to give to you. But what faith and action reveals is your heart. Who has your heart? That's what it all gets down to. Faith helped Rahab leave her surroundings and do something significant. And we see that in all the stories that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. It gives us strength when we're pretty weak. And it pulls us through keyholes when we're unwilling to walk through doors. But God always has something significant for us. And it all boils down to trust. Do you trust him enough even when all the world is going a different direction? That's what Rahab did. We found our value in the God who loves us. And we find our rewards based upon how we follow him. What's your next step? See, Rahab could have just sat there in her living room, said, hey, I'll get you a cup of coffee. I'll cook you up some fried chicken. I don't know if they made fried chicken there. But she could have been all homey and nice and then sent them on their way. But her faith changed her because she realized where she belonged. It's one thing to realize, okay, there is something about this God, Jehovah Jireh, but we can't stay where we're at. Rahab knew it's time to go. Why? Because Jericho's not where I belong. And the more I just stay here, the more my value is going to be based upon them taking advantage of me. And that's for you too. This world's not our home. And the more you surround yourself and surround yourself and surround yourself with the world, you're just going to become more like the world. And like Rahab, you're just going to continue to realize feel empty. Why? Because this world promises me stuff, but all they're doing is taking advantage of me. And I'm not really fitting in, and I'm not really being fulfilled. There's got to be something more. That something more is Jesus. Make church a regular part of your life. Not just once a month or every once in a while, but be here on a weekly basis. Make having a daily encounter in your home. If you're single, do it, do it, do it. If you're a family, find time each day to sit down as a family and read and pray together. Why? Because who you surround yourself with matters. Find yourself just in the presence of God. And like Rahab, you will find where you belong and you will find your value and worth from a God who does not take advantage of you, but who loves you so much that he sacrificed for you. And walk with him and see the rewards that he has for you. He is writing your story. Just walk with him. Let him open up the doors. Walk through and see what he has for you.
you will be blown away. You know, next week as we continue this story of us series, it's a very big week. And I want to encourage you to make sure you're back here, but I want to highlight some things. We're going to be talking about blended families next week. Did you know there's blended families in the Bible? We're going to be talking about blended families next week. I have some special friends, um, my good friends who are, uh, he's also a pastor in the area, Mark, and his wife, Megan Housel. They're a blended family, and they're going to be here to share their story and how God worked through their story. And so I encourage you to make sure you're here this week. If you're a blended family, be here. If you have friends who are from a blended family, Invite them. Make sure they are here. This is going to be a very special week at Impact and a special week that we're going to be talking about what a lot of us are in in that blended family culture and how God can write stories through that, the blessings and all the things. So make sure you come here and hear Megan, uh, Mark and Megan's story. You will be blessed and you'll be encouraged by that. And I hope to see you here and your friends here as well. But let's pray as we wrap up this service. Father God, you are truly an amazing God. And Father, right now, we just lean on you. Lord, help us to see you more clearly. Lord, as today as we talked about Rahab, who seems like an unlikely character to talk about on this day. But Lord, in so many ways, I think we relate with her. I think we struggle sometimes because we've based our value and worth on what the world tells us, on our looks and our achievements, and it's just not there. And so often, like Rahab, we find a world that promises us stuff but ends up just taking advantage of us. But Lord, right now, may we be honest with who we surround ourselves with. And like Rahab, may we run to you and find where we belong in you. And Lord God, I just pray that each of us may truly make a commitment to do that, to take extra steps that we will make being a part of church and doing daily encounters in our home a priority so that we can continue to find where we belong, so we can continue to realize our value in you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.